Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program. And my guest today is Alon Joseph. And Alon is a rabbi. He's many, many things. He is part of what I would consider my circle of very special people in my life who have been on this journey with me. Alon is very passionate about education and people. He's actually a human capital expert. And he, he runs many uh, courses. And um, what, what I would like to say is that he was on my program on the 26th of October last year. And if you'd like to listen to that podcast, please just look it up under Finding Human and you'll find it. Alon, it's so good to have you on my program. And um, you, you are many things, all the different courses that you run, your Live Your Part courses, for businesses, for schools, for shuls, for mosques, for churches, which help people live with the values of taking responsibility for themselves. And our topic is today, lean into joy. And Viktor Frankl actually says we're all doomed to act responsibly. We have to answer to life by answering to our individual lives. And I couldn't help thinking that that one uh, advert before about the vaccines speak to that. Welcome, Alon. It's so good to have you. You're my first guest for 2022. Woo! Wow! Thank you, Sue. What an honor and pleasure. I, when we ended the last show and you said, will you come back in January and be my first guest? I was like, yes, I can't wait. Uh, I love, I love our interactions. I love our discussions. They invigorate me. They inspire me. So I'm really so grateful to be back on, on the show, on the show with you and so honored to be the first guest of 2022. Well, you bring such energy and you, you really do. You energize my program. So I'm very happy. Before we start, I actually just want to give a shout out to Neil, uh, Silipsky in Cape Town. Um, my brother and sister-in-law, my sis, brother-in-law and sister-in-law, Steve and Sheila Hubert were here from London, um, just before December. And they knew Neil from Kibbutz Rivivim in 1968. And they met up with him in Cape Town. And Neil, you said that you listened to Chai FM and you listened to my program. So I'm so happy to hear that. And welcome. And that's a good shout out to you from Steve, Sheila and I. Isn't that nice? From the Kibbutz in 1968. That's just, it was after the Six Day War. Amazing, amazing. Now, you know, Alon, one of the messages that actually came through, and there have been a couple because it went on to Facebook this yesterday, and the one was they wanted to know about optimism and pessimism. We spoke about that last time. And so I'm actually just answering their their um, what they asked for. So would you like to, to actually start with that? With pleasure. So, you know, we were talking a lot about happiness last time and we were talking about different personality types and we spoke about the optimist and the pessimist 
and how they work together. So I think maybe it's a good idea to give some definitions to work with. So the best definitions I've seen and come across are as follows. That pessimism denotes a belief that the experienced world is the worst possible. It describes a general belief that things are bad and tend to become worse. That's your pessimist. Your optimist, on the other hand, is an outlook on life such that one maintains a view of the world as a positive place. Optimists generally believe that people and events are inherently good, so that most situations work out for the best in the end. You know, and I think that it's a beautiful way of, of just giving a broad definition to start off between a pessimist and an optimist. That just in simple terms, the pessimist looks at the world in the worst possible way, and when something's happened, it's only going to get worse. There's no light at the end of the tunnel except that big train coming towards you. And the optimist looks at the situation and says, yes, it's bad, but I know that in the end something good will come from it. And I think it's an important differentiation to make about how an optimist and and a pessimist explain world events to themselves. For example, um, an optimist sees failure as something that that can be changed and that the, and that you can learn from it and succeed. Where a pessimist will take the blame for everything, they ascribe it to some lasting characteristic, and they feel that they are helpless to change. That's essentially the difference between an optimist and a pessimist, and it's something that's inherent in a person. However, what's very interesting is that we can change. Sometimes. I'll be pessimistic in some situations and optimistic in others. But overall, um, there are tests that one can do to determine whether where you are in the optimism or pessimism scale of, of life. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think that it's about an outlook that we have to the world around us. Martin Seligman spent, um, years developing um, tests and ways of looking at the world and, and the interesting point that he makes we're, we're going to be discussing a lot about him today I believe that the interesting point that he makes is that we can change ourselves if a person is if, if a person sees themselves as a pessimist or they look at the world around them you broke up for a minute so we were saying that the way that the optimist and the pessimist look toward the pessimist it was so interesting. I was discussing it with a friend the other day about this exact same thing. And, you know, he's, he tends to be very pessimistic um, around the world and the situation and where we find ourselves. And he said to me, he said, if you think 2021 was bad, he said, wait till 2022. He said, that's going to get even worse. And, and I just looked at that situation and I said to him, where's your optimism in it? How are you viewing the world? And he says, there is no optimism. He said, things just get worse. And and it's been a trend of how he's viewed life. And we've been friends for 15, 16 years. And it's been interesting that he just looks at things in that pessimistic way. And often he'll tell me, but I'm the realist. I'm not. You know, people often just say, you know, the optimist is just, it's a person who's in their own bubble and they don't see the world for reality. And, and, and the honest truth is, is that it's not true. The optimist actually does see the world in reality. The only difference is the optimist says it's bad now, but there's something good that will come from it. We can learn from it. We can grow from it. The pessimist looks at the situation and says it's bad and it's only going to get worse. More people are going to die. More viruses are going to come from this. The world economy is only going to get worse. It's a mindset that one develops to the world around them. And one has to listen. If one really wants to know about it, 
All you've got to do is listen to your inner voice, that voice inside your head. When something happens, what does that little voice tell you? It's what we call the belief. It's what Martin Seligman calls the belief. It's that little voice inside of our heads. And we'll get back to that little voice soon. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, we're about to play a YouTube, and it's with Cheryl Sandberg, Elizabeth Gilbert, and Sean Anker, and four things we must realize about happiness. We're not very good at understanding happiness as human beings. Like, yeah. we, I think we think of our I thought of happiness as the big stuff. It's not the big stuff. Joy is the small stuff. So those moments of joy do not need to be some big event, and they're usually not. My coffee tasted great. This tea is actually delicious. <laughs> One of my kids gave me a hug without being asked. Maybe hinted at, but not outright asked. These tiny little moments are the moments that make our lives. There's only weakness to be had. Only weakness to be had in waiting. In waiting for external circumstances to alter. In waiting to win the lottery. In waiting for times to get better. In waiting for something to change at your job. It is the weakest position you can stand in, and my strength of self-accountability brings me a higher level of joy than anything else in the world. I'm in charge of this person. Whatever happens out there is none of my business. I'm in charge of this soul that was given to me to take care of, and I accept 100% accountability for this soul. Most people believe that if they work hard, they'll be successful, and happiness will follow. And you say, that model is now broken. It's, it's broken, and it's, it's, it's scientifically broken for two reasons. The first reason is that because success is a moving target, even if you hit success, you immediately change what success looks like for you. So when we tell our kids that, oh, once you do this, you'll be happy, once you get into this school, you'll be happy, or once you lose this weight, you'll be happy, all these types of things make us think it's going to happen, and then it doesn't. It keeps getting pushed off for the future. Yeah. I interviewed a man who told me my whole life, I never got too excited, too joyful about anything. I just kind of stayed right in the middle. That way, if things didn't work out, I wasn't devastated. And if they did work out, it was a pleasant surprise. Oh my goodness. He's, and so many people said, he said, in his 60s, he was in a car accident. His wife of 40 years was killed. Uh-huh. Wow. And he said, the second I realized that she was gone, the first thing I thought was, I should have leaned harder into those moments of joy because mm. that did not protect me from what I feel right now. We're trying to, we're trying to dress rehearse tragedy so we yes. can beat vulnerability to the punch. Yes, 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 yes. So you want, so you know what happens? This is what the joyful people do. This is what I learned from them. In those moments where like they're looking at their children or their partner or something great, they get that shudder too. But you know what they do? They don't say, Oh, there's that shudder of terror about feeling joyful. I'm going to dress rehearse tragedy. They say, I'm going to practice gratitude. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program, and I'm back with Rabbi Alon Joseph, and our topic actually today is lean into joy, as, as Brene Brown actually said there. Do you know, before we went to, to break, we were talking about uh, um, the pessimists and optimists. And in this particular uh, things that we have to realize about happiness, 
is that we do have the responsibility to actually look at it ourselves. And you were talking about someone who's always, who says he's not uh, pessimistic, he's realistic. But actually, to me, it sounded like it was catastrophic thinking. You know that catastrophic thinking uh, way of people sort of really catastrophizing everything. Yeah, I, and I and I totally agree with you on that, Sue. I think that's you know that's you find that your that your pessimistic person that's the definition of it. Everything becomes a catastrophe from the smallest thing. You can't find your keys. You know, you drop something on the floor. Oh no, I can't believe that that happened. And it, you become so emotive from that that everything. It sets the tone for everything that happens around you. And as you said, everything becomes a catastrophe. Absolutely. And I think fatalism, you know, the idea of fatalism, well, it's going to happen anyway. So regardless, uh, so what, you know, I might as well just kind of live in each day and the days will pass and that's it. It's going to happen. And I'm big, I'm a victim to it anyway. You know, that, that way of, of thinking is, is also so destructive. Very, you know, in the video clip that, that, um, that you just played, there was so, each, each speaker was just so incredible with so much wisdom. And we could have a whole show, I think, on each of them. But the one thing that I loved was when they said that I'm in charge. I've, you know, I've, it's, it's that self accountability. It's a hundred percent my life. And, you know, I think that's the value of you. It's the value of ourselves. How much value do we put on ourselves? What type of life do we want to lead? You know, and um, your whole show is based on that Viktor Frankl clip about making choices. We have the choice in life. Are we going to choose to be happy or not? Are we, how, how are we going to choose to respond to those events around us? We can't always change the events that happen to us. But we can change our response to those events. We can choose how we're going to respond to those events. We have to realize that we are in charge of our lives. We are in charge of our emotions. We are in charge of our personality. And until I'm willing to take 100% ownership of that, I'm never going to be happy. I'm never going to be successful in in my life. I'm going to go through life. I'll, you know, I'm just going to cruise along. But am I really going to be happy? Am I really going to be successful? No. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's actually looking beyond ourselves um, also. Uh, you know, I remember a, a quote of Viktor Frankl's when he says, man becomes himself. He is human precisely to the extent that he lives out his self-transcendence so that he does reach above his circumstances and look at it in a different light. And I, I don't think... We we always do that, you know. I was reading uh, something that uh, uh, um, it was actually on LinkedIn, and it was a um, a talk, or no, an interview on Rabbi Sachs's on on morality. It was actually a particularly good one. I'll send it through to you. But one of the things he says is because she 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 was giving him a a chance to sort of reflect on his book post Corona, and he said, you know, life is with people. Life isn't with Zoom. I love Zoom. But what was the first thing God said about human beings? It's not good for us to be alone. And that was in Genesis. And if you actually think about that, if it's not good for us to be alone, it means we have a responsibility towards other people as well. Yeah, you know, it's such it's such a beautiful way of looking at the world. One of our, our sages 
says such a beautiful concept. You know, when the way that we portray ourselves to the world, the way that we present ourselves to the world, we have to realize one thing. Other people can see something that I can't. Mm. And what's that? My face. Everyone else can see it, but I, I, I can't see, I, I, you know, unless I look in the mirror. And yet we have to realize that if I walk around smiling, I will have an impact on people around me. If I walk around with a frown, I'm going to have an impact on people around me. And they said that that actually becomes, my face is actually public property because that's the way I portray myself to the world around me. And therefore there's an obligation on oneself to walk around with a happy countenance, with a smile on one's face, presenting oneself in the best possible way. This is an obligation of us within Judaism as well, that when we look at the world around us, it's so interesting that Martin Seligman says when he talks about optimism and pessimism, he says that when he studied it, the one thing that he found was that religious people tend to be much more optimistic. And he said the reason for that is because that religion teaches that the event itself might be bad now, but there is something good that comes from it. And therefore, we have a tendency to look at the world around us in a much more positive light. And therefore, therefore, we have an obligation to walk around and say, you know, there's a God running this world. That's not me. Things are going to happen. But how am I going to respond to that? What is my obligation as a human being? And the way that I carry myself will impact those people around me. If I carry myself in a positive way and I show people, yes, you know, it might not be the best situation, but, but there's opportunities, there's growth, there's things we can learn from it, then I will be able to influence those people as well. That's so true. And it's hope. It's holding on to hope. It's saying that there is hope for the future. But, you know, influencing other people, sometimes I do tell a story about going up to a, a street lights. But, you know, in, in Johannesburg, quite often the streetlights are, are not working. So you're, you're in the queue for quite a long time waiting to get your turn to fight the taxis and everyone else to get across to the other side. Anyway, there was a group of young kids, young children dressed in rags, and they were on the side of the road and they'd obviously been begging. But that this, when I, when, when I was waiting for my turn to eventually pass, I was a few cars back. And there were this group of children and there was one a little bit older than the others and he was juggling some oranges and the smaller children were in hysterics at his, at his, um, antics. Well, I must admit that I was laughing as well. I looked to the car on my, you know, uh, on the sides of me. And it was a big intersection and everyone was laughing, looking at what was, what was going on. But we were laughing at the children, laughing the joy of these children's attitudes. And as we eventually went through, each person who went through eventually through the, through the uh, stop, stoplight was hooting and, and clapping for these little kids. And, uh, you know, they, they would have got on with the, the out of that sense of anger, oh no, this country is going to hell. We've, we spend our life with the electricity failure and standing up, sitting at robots for hours, can't plan anything, that sort of catastrophic thinking. And here these little kids by their laughter and their just pure joy and they were hungry little children actually changed so many of us as we went forward. Yeah, and you know what happens? You change and you pass that change on to other people. And that's, you know, that's, 
it's such a beautiful concept and it's such a powerful concept. Firstly, looking at that world around us, you know, when you look at that, do you stop and think to yourself, wow, I'm actually so privileged. I, I, I have so much to be grateful for. They, you know, when we look at those situations, our response to them, are we learning from those situations? Are we growing from the thinking, wow, someone influenced me. I can learn. I can learn from that. That's number one. Number two, I, I'm a sitting here in a car. I'm so privileged. There is so much for me to be grateful for. And as Sean Anker correctly said, what our problem is, is that we keep on changing our goalposts that, no, I'm not happy till I have this and I'm not happy till I have that. And therefore, we're never truly happy with what we've got. Mm -hmm. Do we ever stop and appreciate those things? You know, I'm driving somewhere. I've got something. I don't have to stand on a street corner. I don't have to do that. But you are right. They're happy. They're smiling. They're giggling. There's some, is there something maybe I can learn from them? We have to sometimes in life have the ability to stop and reflect on the world around us so that we can learn from it and grow from it. So true. And, you know, I was thinking yesterday um, our gardener came to say that one of our trees had fallen over. And, um, and I thought to myself, gosh, you know, I don't even remember seeing that tree. And I never once showed it that I appreciated it. It was, you know, on, on our ridge. And I, and I felt bad. I thought, you know, well, let me just go and say hello to it now, even though it has fallen over. Let me just show, say, you know, thank you for being part of our garden for so long. And it had, it had shown such resilience for so many years, but with a lot of, a lot of rain that we've had and what have you, it's, it's, uh, it fell over. And that was, you know, the end of that tree. But it did teach me something. As you say, each situation can teach us something. You know, a lot of, a bit of uh, humor. I've told the story before about a grandma, and I just love the story. It's one of Leon's favorite stories about a grandma who takes her grandson to the beach. And he, she puts her his towel out. He, she puts a sunblock on him. She puts him on his towel and she puts his cap on his head. And she turns to put something in her bag. And as she turns back, a huge wave rushes up onto the beach, lifts the little boy up and sweeps him out to sea. And grandma raises her hand to heaven and says, what are you doing? How can you do this to me? What am I going to tell my children? Please, please help me. I can't handle this. Just then another wave sweeps up and deposits the little boy back on the sand. And grandma looks up to heaven and says, "Nu, where's his hat? <laughs> so I love that story because that is gratitude. You're in absolute despair and things do work out and you're still looking for something else to be grateful for. I love that. You know, often so many times in life, one of the big lessons that I often like talking about in, in the workshops that we run is is exactly that, that we tend to only appreciate people in our lives or things that we've got when we don't have them anymore. You know, you get the flu or you stub your toe on the way to something and you get this throbbing pain or, you know, something happens to you and you have to use crutches. But we don't often appreciate something while while we have it. At the end of last year when I was running these workshops and we end the year off, I often, you know, I asked, I asked all the people in the workshops, I said, you know, we've been through almost 365 days. How many of those days were healthy days? How much food did you eat? How much water did you drink? How many times did you go to the bathroom? How, you know, how many, how many steps did you take the whole year? 
And I said, yes, you might have been sick a couple of days, but out of 365 days, majority of them, thank God you were healthy. Do you appreciate? You look back and you go, wow, there was actually, this was an amazing year. There were so many things to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And the people in our lives, there were so many people who unfortunately didn't make it through the year. But for those who did, do we appreciate them? Do we take time out to appreciate them? Often what I do with the staff, either at the end of the year or beginning of the year, I give them an exercise of that. I've list three people in your life who've really touched you and, and phone them and say thank you. Just appreciate them. Take that time out to really appreciate. We get so caught up in the world around us. We get so caught up in the negativity of the world that we often stop, that we often forget to stop. And appreciate and have gratitude for how abundant we are in our lives and how much abundance we have in our lives. Absolutely. If you would like to contact us, we'd love to hear from you on 34519 or telegram us on 061-895-1019. I'm with Rabbi Alon Joseph and we're talking about Lean Into Joy. Um you know, you you said something there that actually about what we can appreciate. And I heard a talk the other day, and it was a man who was saying that he stood at the side of, at the bottom of a mountain and looked up at it, and it just looked quite terrifying. And he just thought, you know, I don't know if I can possibly uh, climb that mountain by my on on his own. And then someone came to stand next to him. And the two of them looked together and it was the, in the inclusion of someone else that changed his idea of the size of the mountain. And he thought, Oh, we can do it. So sharing the challenge, uh, the, the shared challenge like that actually changed his perception of how bad it was or how high the climb was. Yeah, and you know, I think there's so many situations, there's so many stories like that, that life is sometimes just changing about your perception, changing about your expectations, changing the world around us, enjoying, enjoying those moments, realizing that we are in charge, appreciating something while it's happening, looking at other people and learning and learning from them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think there's so much wisdom in, 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 in that message. And as you correctly said, that just appreciating, look, change your perception. You know, you're climbing the mountain and realize other people have climbed this mountain as well. Other people have been there before you. And if they can do it, then you have that inner strength. You have the ability to also climb that mountain. And we'll get back to our mountain in a minute. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. We are going to be listening to one more short YouTube. It's called The Empowering Questions You Should Ask Yourself During uh, Tough Times. And it's with Dr. Michael Beckwith. When I think about people who have circumstances that aren't as good as mine or yours, is it possible to life vision when you're at the bottom? Not only is it possible, that's probably the best time to do it. When circumstances and situations are pressing in upon us, the only way we can overcome them is to go within, to actually begin to ask very empowering questions with the awareness that this universal presence and its law will answer any question that you ask. 
So if you're in a situation that uh, is pressing on you and you ask, what's trying to emerge in my life? What is my gift to share? Mm. What is my purpose? Why am I here on the planet? Not just how can I pay my rent? Not just how can I stop the pain? Which aren't bad questions. And not even, not just even what should I do? Not even what should I do? Not what should I do? But the universal questions. You, You ask empowering questions. The universe will answer these questions in a language and in a way that you can understand. There'll be inner prompting. There'll be intuitive hits, nudges, signs, symbols, dreams. It'll come in the language of the, own, the, the individual soul and heart. The difficulty is that when people are in tough situations, they ask disempowering questions. Whoa. They say, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. Who's to blame? Yeah. Why, Why me? me? Yes. Those are the disempowering questions. So the universe will answer those too. It'll pull on the database of human experience and say, you were born on the wrong tra- side of the tracks, or you were born on the right side of the tracks, or you, this happened or that happened. It'll give you a, a, a bevy of excuses. But if you ask an empowering question, you'll get an answer to rise above the muck. So it's all about the question, the sincerity of the question, and then the ability and the willingness to, to really listen, to really be available. That, that's where the juice is. And that is available to every human being. Whether an individual is in prison, whether an individual is imprisoned by circumstance, imprisoned in their own mind about an event that happened in their past, it doesn't matter. Once you ask with sincerity, the universe will answer. That's, that's the way it operates. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on 101.9 High FM, and I'm back with Rabbi Alon Joseph. And what did you think of that uh, YouTube? Uh, I love your YouTube clips. I think they're phenomenal. I think there's so much wisdom from what he mentioned over there. And, I, you know, and I, as when we were preparing, I think that that clip really goes to the depth of that optimism, pessimism, those empowering questions, those disempowering questions. Um, going within, taking control of our life. I loved, I loved how he goes into that and he says that when something happens that often from those dark times, that's where the greatest light comes. And yes, we go through difficult times. We go through very challenging times. And I think the past two years have shown us just how challenging and just how dark sometimes some situations can be. But what he says over there that's so beautiful is that sometimes when you're at the bottom, that's when you've got to go within. That's when you've got to start. That's when you've got to realize you've got the ability. But to emerge from that, there's lessons you've got to learn. And are you going to have the mindset? Are you going to disempower yourself by having those questions and looking and, and, by, and by berating yourselves and putting yourself down? Or are you going to have those empowering questions, the, the abilities to grow, the feedback, looking at the situation and saying, what do I need to learn from this? How can I grow from this? How can I become better? And that's really when a person knows their true strength. We only sometimes know our true strength from the dark, from the dark situations we go through, from the failures that we have. Um, I was actually giving a workshop on this not so long ago, and I, I said to the to the group of people I was working with, I said, if you look at all successful people, they often they only became successful through the challenges that they went through, through the dark situations that they went through, because. They have the feedback mechanism to say, okay, that didn't work. How do I learn from it? How do I grow from that situation? That was the mindset. And that's what helped them grow because 
They wanted to become better. They wanted to achieve more. And what he's saying to us is that we have that same ability. Everyone inside of ourselves has that ability to become better, to achieve more, but we have to go within to find those answers. I absolutely agree with you, and I do feel that if we even if we look at um, the the virus, the virus as an example, the pandemic. Two years ago, we didn't know how we were going to handle it. We didn't have the skills to actually know what was going to be happening. It was very frightening. It we were going to an unknown into an unknown situation. Two years later, we're in a very different situation. We've all learned new skills, how to handle things, how to be on our own, how to reach out to other people, what it means. So it has not been wasted time. It's actually been time that we, we I think it's that resilience of nature that we have found something of ourselves. You know, Martin uh, Seligman talked about what the hell effect and that was, wasn't that was the, the negative voices in our mind and what they're telling us. Is that right? I remember you mentioning what the hell effect. Yes, correct. Correct. You know, you, you touch on that point so poignantly and I think it's an important point because something struck me towards the end of last year. I was driving, I had a meeting um, in Pretoria and I was driving there. And what happened, when I looked on the other side of the road, there was the site, and I thought, no, it can't be. And it was traffic. It was, And I just thought to myself, are we going back to what we had? Have we not learned our lesson? You know, are, are, we, are, are we that silly as human beings that we've been through a worldwide pandemic that, that we've never experienced? And have we learned these lessons? You know, has, has, has corporate learned the lessons of how people can maybe work from home? Have we learned the lessons within ourselves? Have we taken these lessons to heart? Or are we just falling back on that old safety net? And the problem is if we don't learn the lesson, then it has to be repeated. Absolutely. And, and you're so correct. I just thought to myself, have we learned these lessons? You know, you said like the world wants to go back to normal, but that normal wasn't working. Yeah. That's why we had to go through a pandemic. We don't want to go back. We want to go forward. We want to, we want to redefine the world. We want to recreate things. We don't want to go back to how it was because that didn't work. And one of those failures is exactly that, is that trying to fall back onto that past because thinking, oh, but that's my safety net. But that safety net was flawed. It had holes in it. It was letting too much to it. It wasn't really a safety net. Mm -hmm. There was more, there was more bad coming from that. So I think one of our challenges is about moving forward is about learning those lessons from the past and saying, great, I've got to go through those lessons, but I have to create a bigger and a better and a brighter future because that's what this has taught me. And I think that's what happiness is, that leaning to happiness is exactly that. Looking for the good within our lives, appreciating those good, having that gratitude, focusing on that positivity, looking at that optimistic, looking at that optimistic world around us and realizing, wow, I can create what I want. I can achieve what I want, and I've got the world around me as proof that it can be done. Absolutely. And we're not go. that's not Pollyanna way of thinking. It's actually a realistic way of thinking because we do know our inner strengths. We just have to deep delve into them. We'll get back in a minute. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM.
Hello, I'm back with Rabbi Alon Joseph. And I would just like to say, you know, um, Alon, last time when you were on, you were starting that uh, 15 days of, of gratitude. And I went on to it and really enjoyed it. I, I, I downloaded that the challenge app, my challenge app, and started doing it. And I was quite amazed, actually, you know, the questions that it asked. Initially, I thought, oh, so many questions to answer, until I realized that actually each one was making me think a bit more about what I was grateful for. It was a very good questionnaire, actually, a very good challenge. What What are you do, doing at the moment? So that challenge was actually phenomenal, and the feedback was just, it was so incredible to see how people's lives change within, within 15 short days, five to seven minutes a day, just of looking at the world around us and appreciating those things around us. And that's exactly what leaning into happiness is, is that it's looking at those things and saying, well, so what really am I grateful for today and why am I grateful for those things that make me feel good? I appreciate this person. When you start your day or when you create that positivity, so it just changes your whole reality. And what the challenge did, the feedback was just how people's lives changed. They became more positive. They saw the world around them. They appreciated people more. And uh, hopefully that, that continues. So hopefully we're going to be running some more challenges. If people are wanting to know more for the next challenge, you can get a hold of me. I think hopefully the end of January, hopefully we'll launch another another 15-day challenge. And it was just really email? exciting. Alon, A-L-O-N, at liveyourpart.com. One word, live your part. So One it's Alon word. at liveyourpart.com. And if they do start running another challenge, I would really – um actually encourage you to do it. I, I enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah, now, it was amazing. Before we, we we're going to be told soon to, to wrap up, but before then, I actually wanted to go to something that you said last time, which was don't leave a legacy. So yes. do you remember why? Because <laughs> you have to live your legacy, not leave your legacy. Right. I love that. And uh, and what ca- what can we do today to make a difference? And the values I think that we leave to the next generation. And I think this the next generation are needing that. You know, they are bombarded all the time by by social media and by so much negativity and you know, you just turn on the news and you almost want to slit your throat. So I think this legacy, we've got to actually begin to live our own legacy of what we want to, how we wanting to show other people who are younger than us, whether it's our children, our grandchildren, how to live their legacy. Do you agree? I so agree with you. Now, I think that we teach so much in school, but I'm not sure we're always focusing on the correct subject. So now if you ask a parent, what do you want? They want, they want a happy kid, a confident kid, a contentment, fulfillment, balance. And that's what school wants, you know. And I think that if that's what we're trying to create, then we have to start bringing these concepts into, into our education system, not only at home, but even talking to the kids about bringing gratitude, bringing these values work into schools, I think is so essential because that's where that's really where we're going to make a huge difference and they are the future and we have to start giving them the tools and the ability to work within themselves to challenge themselves to look at the world around them to grow within themselves to maybe go through those those hard situations and ask themselves those questions because the more we can help them 
then the greater chance they'll have for success later on in life, just like we do. But we have to help that next generation tremendously. There, there is so many challenges around for them today. The world is a very challenging place for young people today. And we have to be giving them the correct values and the correct skills to help them deal with life so that they can be successful. And they'll pass it on to that next generation. Absolutely. And um, I, I'm being told to wrap up. But what I'd like to say also, thank you so much, Alon, for being on my program. And I just carry on the wonderful work that you do for Hatsola. I hear from so many people about what how you have actually calmed a situation, given them hope, given them you know the the comfort and the strength to actually handle their difficulties. Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs said, "For though my faith is not yours, and your faith is not mine, if we each are free to light our own flame." Together, we can banish some of the darkness of the world. I think there's no better way to end the show than on that quote, Sue. That is just phenomenal. Working together, being there for other people, helping other people find that light in their lives. That is what our true challenge is. And if we can do that, we will make this world the most beautiful place. Absolutely. And thank you, Wendy. You sent me a, a, a message on my phone has, and you said have learned so much. Thank you. So I hope that this has been, uh, that everyone has enjoyed our program. I've certainly enjoyed being with you, Alon, and we will do it again during the year. Thank you so much. I look very forward to it. Thank you so much once again. I'm so grateful for the opportunity.